Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, happy holidays, everyone. It's that time of the year, the time where we look back on the top sports business stories of the year. We're going to bring you the top 10 stories, in our opinion, of the year 2012 in sports business. That's what's coming up on our show this week. couple of notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. Those links are available at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Joined in studio by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, we consulted with our crack staff, our team of sports business insiders to try and narrow it down to the top 10 sports business stories of 2012. And I think we've come up with some good ones. Yeah, I think it is. And uh, it's funny when you look back over a whole year of sports, how much stuff goes on in a year. You're like, we're looking back doing this and we're like, was that this year? That seems like it was 40 years ago. You know, it's crazy how much happens in a year. It is, and you're right. It does seem like some of the stuff that happened this year happened a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, also some big stories at the end of last year that carried into this year. Yep. Those will be big on our list. But uh, anytime you have the Olympics, that's always going to make your top 10. So, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> the Olympics will be in our, our top 10. We'll discuss some of the business around the Summer Olympics that took place in London on our show this week. When we come back, we'll start the countdown 10 to 1. The top 10 stories of the year, according to us. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow. Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buecher, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable. 
with the goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503-701-2215. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back and we're counting down the top 10 sports business stories of 2012, according to our staff here at Sports Business Radio. Let's start with number 10, Augusta National adds the first female members. This happened on August 20th, Griggs. And uh, for the first time in the 80-year history of Augusta National, female members were admitted. The female members, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice and South Carolina financier Darla Moore. And look, there was a lot of pressure by corporate sponsors to allow women into Augusta National. Augusta National says that's not the reason that female members were finally admitted after 80 years. But come on. Money talks, as we know on this show. And I think that's what it came down to. But however it happened, I'm glad that it finally happened. Come on. We live in 2012 now where women should be able to be admitted to golf clubs, in my opinion. And yes, I am the father of a daughter, so I'm a little biased. (laughs) I'm a father of a son, and I agree with you on that one because, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not living with Abe Lincoln here. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> we're in 2012 now. So, yeah, I think it was a good move. But I do think money, obviously, when you got sponsors saying, hey, we got to roll with this, we got to make this happen, they're going to make it happen if there's enough money involved. So, when we have the Masters in 2013, no need for picketing, no need for the women's rights groups to be out there because finally this barrier has been broken. Will more females be admitted into the club who knows but uh you know this is a good start and i think a good sign for the future not only at augusta national but maybe some of the other country clubs around the united states where frankly it's the good old boys club and women aren't admitted all right let's move on to the ninth biggest story of the year 2012 Conference realignment. This was a big part of last year. We saw the musical chairs begin in the Big Ten with Nebraska going to the Big Ten. We saw Colorado uh, go to the Pac-12 and the musical chairs that took place in the Pac-12. But really, I think the two biggest changes this year in the conference realignment, Notre Dame to the ACC for everything but football. That's big. And then Maryland leaving the ACC and and going to the Big Ten. The other thing that we saw really impact from last year to this year was Texas A&M went from the Big 12 to the SEC. Texas A&M went into Alabama, knocked off Alabama in football. Alabama will still play in the championship game, but Texas A&M was a real force. Johnny Manziel, the Heisman Trophy winner in their first year in the SEC, they made some noise. Yeah, they did. And I was just thinking about that when we were talking about that. I mean, that was a huge game. And, and these schools that came in, a lot of them were thinking, oh, there's no competition. And then they came to play in the Heisman winner and Johnny Football and all that. It's, uh, it's been quite a story for the SEC and continues to just uh, build that powerhouse of a conference. You look at these conferences like the Big East 
and some of the other ones, and you wonder at some point, are they going to go away? We've talked many times on the show before. Is this eventually going to turn into uh, four super conferences, your Pac-12, your SEC, your Big Ten, and maybe your ACC? Are those the conferences left standing at the end of this? I don't know. But again, this is all about money, too. The TV rights deals for the schools that are leaving to go to the conferences, enormous. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars. So if they've got to pay $20 million to get out of their current deal, the escape clause to leave their conference, that's chump change compared to the money they'll make by going to their new conference. Yeah, and we've already seen some of that money come through with the TV deals of the Pac-12 here in Oregon. We've seen, you know, renovations already at Reser at Oregon State and things happening at Oregon. Uh, the money is definitely pushing some of these schools around. And, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it's going to end up uh, be becoming the four or five different big conferences that end up when you get the playoff system going and you see these, you know, little schools start to fall out of the way and some of these little conferences, I think... Uh, I think you'll end up with like a Pac-16, and, and they'll all just kind of merge into the top four or five conferences. We'll see. It'll be interesting to watch. I don't think the carousel's done turning yet. The game of musical chairs probably not done. We'll probably see more conference realignment in 2013. But by far, Notre Dame to the ACC, the biggest school, in my opinion, to change conferences going from Big East in basketball to ACC And you see Syracuse and Pittsburgh leave the Big East to go to the ACC in basketball as well. ACC did pretty well this year by gaining Notre Dame, Syracuse, and and Pittsburgh. It is funny, though, when you watch some of these games, you're like, now, which conference am I watching? It's hard to keep up with. You're so used to some of these schools where they've been for so long, and now it's like, wait, where are you playing? (laughs) Someone needs to develop a conference realignment cheat sheet (laughs) that sports fans can use and go, oh, okay, well, (laughs) you know, and it's just weird seeing, like, West Virginia playing in the Big 12, and Boise State supposedly going to the Big East, and some of the realignment isn't geographically correct. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more travel for some of these schools. Like, Boise State, they could be going all over the nation. Yeah. Our eighth biggest story of the year 2012, the NHL lockout. And the reason it's not higher on the list, Griggs, is because I don't consider the NHL one of the big four anymore. They used to be up there in the same breath with the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA. It was the big four, if you add the NHL. They're not there anymore. They haven't been there, frankly, since they lost a season due to a work stoppage in 2004-2005. They've struggled with TV ratings. They've struggled with attendance. They were just starting to turn the corner a little bit this last season, and then lo and behold, Donald Fear, who we remember as the players' representative for the Major League Baseball Players' Union, he now represents the NHL Players' Union. And I think before it's all said and done, you're going to lose an entire hockey season Damage has already been done. Games have been canceled at this current time through December 30th. You've missed those Winter Classic outdoor games on January 1st, which really attract the casual fan. And it's remarkable to me that a league lost a season in 1994-95. They lost a season in 2004-2005. And now we're looking at the third lost season Gary Batman, the commissioner of the NHL, you've got to think that 
his days are numbered because you can't have a league that thrives, that has work stoppages every six or seven years and loses an entire season. Well, how do you expect fans to come pay money when, oh, this year we have a season, oh, this year we don't have a season. You can't, you know, fans build every year when, you, when they follow a team. They enjoy coming back to that the next year to see what they're doing, how they've changed the team. And when, when you don't know from year to year if you're going to have any games, you can't expect fans to keep coughing up the big bucks. Well, and with the NHL, the worst thing that you can have happen, which I think is happening, is apathy. Where people just don't care about you anymore. You're not top of mind. They're not beating the drum like they were with the NFL and the NBA. Where's our NFL? Where's our NBA? It's in the news cycle every single day. People are chatting about it. It's water cooler talk. I don't hear that conversation about the NHL. It's a very small fraction of people who are still tuned in and... When you've got that kind of apathy that exists, that's bad news for your league. Well, it's even, you just watch Twitter when they just extended the, through the 30th, like one or two tweets out, right. breaking news, and that's it. If that happened in the NBA, NFL, it'd be all over the news. Well, and ESPN, yeah, I ESPN. mean, it, it's barely a mention. Yep. It's like, wake me when it's done, and I don't think it's going to be done for a long time. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting here is Gary Batman really is in a lose-lose situation because he either loses another season and now you've got three lost seasons since he's been commissioner, which I can't think of another commissioner that has three lost seasons on his resume, or you make a deal just to save the season and you anger your owners who ultimately pay your paycheck because you make a deal that they don't want to make. And that's exactly what happened with the NBA last year. David Stern, one of the hidden secrets as to why he's stepping down, he's kind of fallen out of favor with NBA owners who didn't want to make a deal, felt like a deal was rammed down their throat, even though I would say the owners are ultimately responsible for voting on a deal or or voting it down. But the NHL owners really are out for blood with the NHL players here. And if Batman pushes a deal that they don't want on them, well, now the people that pay your check, they're not happy with you. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I think he's got to go. I mean, he's obviously, his record has shown he does not have control of this and, and, and know what to do correctly because it just keeps failing. So, and it, like I said, like I said earlier, every time they keep having a lockout, they're losing even more money. They're losing sponsors, the arenas, people are getting mad. You know, it's just a, a, a whirlwind of, of failures as to add to the list. Well, not to mention NBC Sports has like minor league and college hockey on because they should be showing NHL hockey and obviously there's none to show. All right, when we come back, we will continue our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year, 2012. A big name changed uniforms this year. One of the faces of his league. That made our list. We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays from Sports Business Radio. More of our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year. Coming up next. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes, 
and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. All right, we're continuing our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2012. If you agree or disagree, uh, hit me up on Twitter at SB Radio. The seventh biggest story of the year 2012 on our list. College football has approved a playoff system. Griggs, it's a step in the right direction. I don't know if it's the solution we're all looking for, but it's better than what we have. And on June 26th, after years of appeals from the fans over the largely unpopular BCS system currently in place, the board of 12 university presidents met and approved a four-team NCAA football playoff. It'll start uh, beginning with the 2014 season. A selection committee, much like the NCAA basketball tournament, will choose the top four teams, and the semifinals will be played at the current bowl sites with the national championship game staged at the site of the highest bidder, which is also interesting. So an undisputed college football champion can finally be crowned. This year, if you look at the system of the BCS, I don't know that there would be clarity over the four teams that would make this suggested playoff in 2014. So again, it's a step in the right direction. But I don't know if everyone's going to go, hey, they finally found a bulletproof system that works for everyone. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Because, again, you got that selection committee, quotes around that selection committee. And, uh, you know, again, people are, no matter what happens, there's going to be teams in there that somebody doesn't want in there. But I think it is a step in the right direction. And I think when they see how successful I believe it'll be in 2014, I think they'll start moving forward and saying, hey, this is how we got to do it throughout the leagues and through everything else. And I think they're moving there with, like, Pac-12 added the, the title game in the last last season. Little steps forward. It's taken them too long to do it, but they're getting there. But the BCS system that we have in place this year, I think the most egregious error that I've seen with the BCS happen this year, and it's that Northern Illinois, I think it's Northern Illinois, is going to a BCS bowl game. Are you kidding me? Let's just do the eyeball test. Would Northern Illinois be a favorite in Vegas against Georgia? No. Would they be a favorite in Vegas against LSU? No. Would they be a favorite in Vegas against numerous other teams? No, but yet they're going to a BCS game. They're probably going to get smoked by Florida State. Maybe they won't. Maybe we'll be proved wrong, but it just doesn't seem like it's the right recipe, and That's an egregious error to me when you're taking such a small school. And you would think, you know, the BCS is interested in drawing fans, selling tickets, TV ratings. Northern Illinois, no one's going to travel to go see them. People aren't going to go, hey, I got to turn on the TV and watch Northern Illinois against Florida State. Whereas if you put Georgia in there or someone else, well, now you've got a little bit of a game. Oklahoma 
it's an amazing error to me. Yeah, I think that's that's the one that just stands out on the page. You're you're right on that, and it is it's an obvious error, and it's it's most likely going to be a route. And like you're saying, who's going to travel from Northern Illinois to go see you know spend the money and stay up in a hotel and all that? It's just yeah, that's an obvious error and uh, quite quite uh, vis- vis- visible to anybody watching. And it just emphasizes this current BCS model is very broken, and we can't get to the new model quickly enough. Although I'm sure people like myself and others will still be critics of the new model, but at least it's a step in the right direction, and that's what we're hoping for. All right. The sixth biggest story of the year 2012, one of the most famous athletes of our lifetime changed uniforms. Peyton Manning left the Colts after he was cut in a very controversial move by the Colts. But here's a guy who had led them to Super Bowl victory, just amazing Hall of Fame record in Indianapolis. And because of his health concerns, and because they had the number one pick, and they knew they were going to take Andrew Luck, who they felt like was the next Peyton Manning, and was a much cheaper version of Peyton Manning, they cut Peyton Manning, on March 7th, and then March 19th, remember, there was all the speculation, where's Peyton Manning going to go, and he's on this plane, and these people are flying in to see him here, and he's working out, and here he is throwing a ball, and you've got the grainy video of what he's doing, and, and, and it was crazy. But Peyton Manning chose the Denver Broncos. John Elway was a big part of that decision. When you can look in, in the eye of uh, a fellow Hall of Famer, and someone who is at an elite level, John Elway's won two Super Bowls himself, they essentially said, Peyton Manning, you come in and you can be our offensive coordinator. We'll bring in the personnel that you want. We'll run your style of offense here. And that's what they've done, and the Broncos have had a fantastic season. Peyton Manning, frankly, in my opinion, has had an MVP caliber season. If it wasn't for the just unbelievable renaissance of Adrian Peterson, who shredded his knee last year, and seeing what he's doing this year, I think Peyton Manning would be the comeback player of the year. But he's got to be in the MVP conversation for what he's done for the Broncos. But the other part of this too, Griggs, is Peyton Manning's doing commercials again. When you look on the Mount Rushmore of the NFL, he's on it. He's one of the faces of the league. And it's good for the NFL on a number of different business fronts when Peyton Manning is healthy and his team is winning. He's just a joy to watch. I love watching him play the game because he just commands the field and knows the game so well. Tom Brady's kind of in the same category where it's just like, he's just so fun to watch, changing the plays at the line. He's like a co- he's coaching the team while he's out there playing. It's phenomenal to watch. He's, uh, he's excitable. He's in a great market. Denver, I think, loves him. That's a great fan base. Um, and look at them, and they're on fire right now, and they're playing great ball, and uh, I agree, he's he's on that Mount Rushmore, definitely. He's on commercials, every other commercial on a sports channel is, is Peyton doing something, and he's, he's he draws you in, he's fun to watch, because he's kind of humorous just in his how he is. You he's know, got a great personality. Yeah. Whenever he's hosted Saturday Night Live, he's been hysterical. Uh, he's got that dry sense of humor, but yeah. he's got an everyman's quality about him, too, except for on the football field where he's just phenomenal. I mean, to see what he's doing at age 36 and what Tom Brady's doing at age 35 is truly remarkable. And as I tweeted out recently, what I want for Christmas, my, my sports Christmas gift, is I want to see Manning versus Brady, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. Give me that one more time. Those two 
old war horses who continue to get it done, that would be a fantastic game. And it would also probably be the highest rated NFL game in a long time, if not ever, because uh, as, as we know, ratings in NFL are off the charts and they're blowing everybody out as normal. And uh, the only thing, I, you go back to March 7th when the, he was cut from the Colts, could he have done a LeBron James version of The Decision? Well, sure he could have, but that's not Peyton Manning's <laughs> no, style. I know, I'm just, I'm just throwing it and out And it's there. interesting, you know, as someone who works with uh, media training people, it was interesting to watch his press conference with the Colts, and I, I thought they handled that pretty well. It was a little awkward with him and Jim Irsay, but uh, they both said the right things, and there were some tears shed, and you could tell that was an emotional decision for Jim Irsay. Um, and then, you know, when he went to Denver, it, it seemed to be the right thing. And, and John Elway, again, a, a guy who uh, is a, a bigger-than-life personality himself and has a Hall of Fame resume and is a Hall of Famer, that seemed to be the right place for him, better than some of the other places that, that he was looking at. God, can you imagine if you went to Arizona and played with the Cardinals? Remember the Cardinals were trying to get him after the season they've had where they— Lost recently 58 to nothing to Seattle. I think it's no doubt that Peyton Manning made the right decision by going to Denver. But I will say this. Peyton Manning was due a $28 million roster bonus on March 8th. He was cut on the 7th by the Colts. Andrew Luck has been phenomenal. He has, I'm not going to say he's Peyton Manning yet, but his rookie season is better than Peyton Manning's was. This guy is the real deal. And the Colts got a much cheaper, cost-effective quarterback than if they had paid that $28 million bonus to Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think it was a good business choice for them. And I think we've seen that Andrew Luck's going to be you know, a franchise player for them. I think he's going to be there for a long time. I think he's a great player. He's showing that already just this year, uh, a couple of comeback games. And, and yeah, I think it was a great business decision. And obviously it's working out great for Peyton, too. Well, and while we're talking rookie quarterbacks, not to get too far off topic, RG3... Andrew Luck, and even Russell Wilson, you got to throw him yeah, into the conversation, yeah. who was a third-round pick. It's been a lot of fun to watch them, to see them come in as rookies and take charge of those offenses and change the fortunes of those franchises. Kudos to the three of them. They're going to be fun to watch for a long time. Our fifth biggest sports business story of the year 2012. The Los Angeles Dodgers were sold to a group led by Stan Kasten and Magic Johnson. And the price tag? $2 billion. This news broke on March 27th. And uh, just an unbelievable transaction, Griggs. Largest amount of money ever paid for a North American sports franchise. And then you see they pulled off a huge deal with the Red Sox on August 25th. Blockbuster trade where they took on... $250 million in contract with Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, Josh Beckett. And then during free agency, they go out and give a six-year, $147 million contract to Zach Greinke, which is the largest contract ever given to a right-hander. Moral of the story is Dodgers are spending money like it's Monopoly money. The reason they can do it is they're looking at a $6 billion media deal for their TV rights, digital rights. When you've got $6 billion coming in, taking in $250 million in contracts is chump change. Well, I think it was it was a must move for the Dodgers. I think they were headed down a path kind of like we're seeing with the NHL. If they didn't make a change, I mean, the fans are starting to fight with other fans. You saw how the whole season went with all that. 
And I think they got to a point where <clears throat> they needed something like this to happen. And it's fun watching Magic on Twitter talk talk baseball. I think that's kind of funny because it's like we're so used to seeing him as uh, as a basketball guy, and here he's throwing out tweets about his team at the Dodgers. I think it's fun. It's great. Well, and one of the first things they did at the press conference when they introduced new ownership is they lowered parking prices and you know some of the concessions prices and ticket prices and, and things like that. They're trying to become more fan-friendly. They go from the Frank McCourt era where the team – went into bankruptcy and you had that high profile divorce between Frank and Jamie McCourt and it was a comedy of errors and it was really embarrassment for a franchise that is seen as one of the gold standard franchises in U.S. sports to an ownership group that's willing to spend money, has a lot of enthusiasm, has maybe the most popular sports figure to ever play in Los Angeles and Magic Johnson is part of the ownership group. We'll see. You look at the San Francisco Giants, they go out and win the World Series with a great pitching staff and then a bunch of hitters that, frankly, don't make a lot of money. They're not spending nearly as much money as the Dodgers, yet they just won another World Championship. Spending money, as we've seen with the Yankees and some other franchises, doesn't always equate to winning championships, but the Dodgers owners are going to throw a lot of money at it and hope that it uh, brings them a title to Los Angeles. Our fourth biggest sports business story of the year 2012, this was quite a big one. Lance Armstrong on October 22nd was stripped of his seven Tour de France titles. And this had a number of layers to it, this story did, because he was stripped. Griggs, there was other writers and people coming out saying, yes, he definitely doped. We saw it. Then you see him resign as the face of Livestrong, his organization. What a lot of people had always said is, okay, I don't care what Lance Armstrong's done on a bike. He's out there raising money for cancer. If he finds a cure for cancer, who cares what he did on a bike? It's far more important that he's out there raising money and trying to find a cure for cancer. When he stepped down from Livestrong and said, essentially, I don't want to be a distraction to the fundraising efforts, to me, that was the first sign of, wow, uh, there may be some smoke. Well, you know, they say where there's smoke, there's fire. Now we're seeing some fire. And then when Nike parted ways with him and took him off of their building on campus and said he's been a fraud, essentially, that's when you really knew Lance Armstrong was in trouble. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a weird and different story that we're not used to because he has done so much good with Livestrong. And, and think of all the money he's given to so many kids and so many different uh, agencies to help find that cure. And then the other side of it, you see in the sports light of it and coming out that, you know, it looks like he cheated or based on all the reports and everything we've heard and, and things he said. And it's that kind of that fine line. Do you hate him because he's a, the athlete that cheated or do you love him because he's given so many so much money to so many people that need it? And the other thing, I, I've said this for years on this show. No one will ever have the smoking gun on Lance Armstrong. Remember, when they tested him in the in the late 90s and the early 2000s, they didn't freeze the blood samples. So you can't go back and unearth that blood sample and say, aha, now we have the tests that show us what's in someone's blood and we can unfreeze that sample and test it. They weren't freezing these samples back then. He knows that you can't convict him beyond a shadow of a doubt with hardcore physical evidence. But the evidence from other writers, from people who have raced with him, from people who have been very close to him, 
pretty overwhelming, and the fact that he's been stripped of his titles, that says a lot as well. When we return, we will have the top three sports business stories of the year 2012 for you. Happy holidays from our team at Sports Business Radio. We're counting down the top 10 sports business stories of the year. The show continues after this. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays to you. We are counting down the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2012. We're down to our top three. Our third biggest sports business story of the year 2012. The NFL absolutely hammers the New Orleans Saints as part of the Bounty Gate scandal. Griggs, this was big. Uh, the NFL released a report on March 2nd that announced that former Saints defense, defensive coordinator Greg Williams, who's now at the Rams but essentially is out of the league, ran an illegal bounty pool over the last three seasons in New Orleans. Williams admitted to and apologized for running the pools, which rewarded players for with cash payments for knocking targeted opposing players out of games and got up to $50,000. On March 21st, the NFL suspended Saints head coach Sean Payton for the entire 2012 season, banned Williams from the league indefinitely. Also, Roger Goodell suspended Saints general manager Mickey Loomis for the first eight regular season games of 2012, and assistant coach Joe Vitt had to sit out the first six games. In addition, Saints players were penalized and fined, and the Saints were fined half a million dollars, had to forfeit a second-round draft pick this year and in 2013. They got absolutely hammered. Their season has been dismal. The interesting thing is, this month, Paul Tagliabue, former commissioner of the NFL, vacated the player penalty. So, I think it makes Roger Goodell look pretty bad because he's basically saying those penalties that Roger Goodell handed out, I'm vacating those now. Players, you're free to return to the football field. What a mess for the NFL and a real black eye for the league. It really has been. And uh, I remember when it first came out, you're like, they started listing off all that stuff like you just did. And you're like, okay, that's the end of it. No, it's not. No, it's not. It just kept going and going. You're like, wow, they really just squish these guys in the ground and I think it, it does hurt the NFL it hurts that market because that's a big market off coming off a couple of good seasons with Drew Brees and now they're just like you know they're barely getting to 500 and it's uh it's sad to see that and I, I hope the NFL can get past that and kind of 
bury it and move forward because it's it's a bad one, but it's going to be with them for forever. Well, and you've got Jonathan Vilma who's suing the league and has had a, a very public battle with Roger Goodell. It, it's just been an ugly story all the way around. Obviously, there's no place for it in college or pro football. The concussion discussion has been a huge topic in the NFL this year. The NFL trying to get out in front of that. But uh, Bounty Gate, big story in the sports world this year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see Sean Payton, does he get a deal done with the Saints to return? Because his contract was voided as part of this punishment. He's a free agent. He can go anywhere. Does he return to New Orleans or does he say, you know what, I'm turning the page and I'm going to go somewhere else and start anew. And I think he's a good coach. Someone will hire him somewhere else. Our second biggest story of the year, 2012, it's the Summer Olympics. It took place in London. And uh, two of the biggest names from Beijing were also big names in London. Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps. Phelps, on July 31st, became the most decorated Olympian ever with a gold medal in the 4 by 200 meter freestyle relay. He secured his 19th medal, Griggs. 19 medals. So uh, it broke the record of Soviet gymnast Larissa Latanya, who got her 18 medals in 1956, 1960, and 1964. I'd say things have changed. They've become a little bit more competitive. So for Phelps to secure 19 medals, not only talks about his greatness as an athlete, but also his staying power over the last few Olympics to accumulate that number of medals. It's a record. It'll probably be broken one day, maybe even by another swimmer, Missy Franklin, who at 19 won five medals at these Olympic Games and became a star in her own right. But uh, 19 medals is mind-boggling. It's crazy. And listen, in the Griggs household, Olympics come on, we shut down. I mean, we watch <laughs> these things religiously. You're giving all your good ratings oh, for yeah. NBC. I love it. And yeah. I, I know. And NBC, I, I've always loved their coverage. I love the music they do with it. Just the whole scenario, the, the sets they do. You know, you've got big names, Costas and all them running, Dan Patrick, all that. And uh, it's just fun to, to watch that. And you see so many different sports you don't get to see on a daily basis, especially with all their platforms now. You can stream it all online. You're watching, you know, judo at 2 in the morning. It's live over there and stuff like that. That was a big thing, I think, for NBC this year, having those so many different more platforms to catch the stuff live. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, I, I still want to see the day where it's live on, on broadcast TV. Sure, sure. And they get over that hurdle, and maybe we'll we'll see that in uh, the next decade. But uh, another big feat, August 9th, Usain Bolt won the 200-meter final, and uh, he became the first person in history to win a gold medal in the 100-meter and 200-meter in back-to-back Olympics. So, you know, here's a guy that some people said had lost a step. They even thought maybe one of his own countrymen would beat him. But when all the bright lights were on, when the flashes were popping, Usain Bolt rose to the occasion, did his little lightning bolt uh, you know, move, and uh, the guy was, was big time, and he had people buzzing in London. Oh, man, he is definitely a showman. I mean, he is just something about when he hits that track, it is just everybody shuts down to watch it because it's just impressive to see the speed he puts on. And then some of it, it almost looks like he's not even trying. He gets to the end of the race, and he's looking around, and it's just like, 
this guy is superhuman. I mean, he's it's phenomenal, and you know the whole the whole world stops for eight seconds to watch this guy run his race or whatever it is, and uh, that was exciting stuff, definitely. And he's a big guy. I mean, his strides are so much longer than some of the other competitors because they're just not as big as him and as long as him. So uh, he covers a lot of ground in very few strides, but what an unbelievable athlete he is. I enjoyed watching Missy Franklin. I love seeing the U.S. women's soccer team win gold and and beat Japan. Uh, There were a number of fantastic moments. I thought London did a really nice job hosting the Olympics. There were no security issues, which some people had thought there may be. The opening and closing ceremonies were pretty good for the most part. Uh, so, And it was cool that they brought James Bond in. By the way, I saw Skyfall recently. That is a really... I like, I'm not a big James Bond fan. I'm not like one of those guys that, oh, Bond's out, I gotta go see the movie. But a lot of people said Skyfall is really good. Griggs, if you haven't seen it, I haven't yet. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I need to see it, and i got to do it before the theaters uh, shut it out because it's definitely a theater movie. I've yeah, heard. it's really, really good. <laughs> All right, our number one story of the year, 2012. This story had so many layers to it. It actually started in 2011, carried into 2012, and really played out in 2012. It's the Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno, Penn State mess. It started January 22nd. Joe Paterno, at the age of 85, died of lung cancer. And, you know, here's a guy who was the longtime Penn State coach, won the most games in Division I college football history. But before he died, his reputation was certainly tainted by not doing enough when he knew about what Jerry Sandusky was doing and the child abuse sex scandal that happened at Penn State. So Joe Paterno dies January 22nd. June 22nd, Jerry Sandusky is found guilty following a three-year investigation that yielded a sexual scandal that rocked the very foundations of Penn State. He was sentenced to 442 years in prison, and Penn State is facing a litany of civil lawsuits from the people who were victims of Jerry Sandusky. On July 12th, the next layer of this story happens. You've got the free report that admonishes Penn State officials, basically said that former Penn State President Graham Spanier, Coach Joe Paterno, and others hushed up a child sex abuse allegation against Assistant Coach Jerry Sandusky more than a decade ago for fear of bad publicity, allowing Sandusky to prey on other youngsters, And the report was scathing. The NCAA didn't waste any time. So the free report comes out on July 12th. The NCAA, in an unprecedented move, on July 23rd, hammers Penn State football. So they basically went with the free report. And they announced a $60 million fine against Penn State, a four-year bowl ban, a reduction of annual scholarships from 25 to 15. All current players were eligible to transfer anywhere without penalty. We saw Silas Red, their running back, go to USC. Five years probation. The NCAA also vacated all wins from 1998 to 2011, so Joe Paterno in the NCAA books no longer the winningest coach in the history of Division I college football. 
Just an ugly story. It's still not over yet. There's still some things to come with Jerry Sandusky and his sentencing. The civil lawsuits still taking place. But, uh, you know, and then the other part of this, too, is Nike parted ways with Joe Paterno as far as they took his name off the Joe Paterno Child Care Center at Nike. And a lot of layers of this story, not a good one. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember when it first started coming out, it's like, and it's still just talking about, it, you get this, like, this, this pit in your stomach because it's just disgusting things that have, that have happened. And I think more will come out and more as the victims talk and get comfortable saying what happened and all this. It's just a, it's just a whirlwind of uh, disaster. I mean, it's just terrible. And I, I think uh, the sanctions are, are a good thing. I think it's something had to be done. I mean, something major had to be done with the Penn State and the whole paternal thing. Something had to be done major to show that <laughs> this is a big deal. It's not right. I will give a lot of credit to Bill O'Brien, the head coach at Penn State, who walked into a situation he had no idea what he was walking into and no idea what the NCAA was going to do. He could have easily said, you know what? I'm out of here. He stuck around, and he led the Penn State Nittany Lions to a very respectable season with a team that uh, had a second-rate roster at best because a lot of their best players transferred because they were allowed to transfer without penalty. So Bill O'Brien is traveling that harder road. I don't know that he's going to stick around forever there, but uh, I give him a lot of credit. And the people that are there that had nothing to do with Jerry Sandusky that are suffering the penalties— of Penn State past, they've uh, done things the right way this year. So they have that to be proud of. Credit to the fans, too. I think uh, the fan base really showed up in support. I mean, that's something where you could have lost a lot of fans and a lot of. I mean, those stadium was still full. They had the white flags, the white shirts. Yeah. And I think the fan base gave them a pat on the back, too, for coming back to a team they knew was going to be, you know, subpar because they lost so many people and coaches and all that. So, But the final thing I'll say on this is. You know, Jerry Sandusky, I said this many times throughout the year on Sports Business Radio, just scum of the earth. And, you know, 442 years, that's obviously the rest of his life that he's going to spend in prison. Uh, Well deserved. But the deeper issue here is that on college campuses, his winning trumped everything else. Are campuses willing to put scandal and uh, improper behavior aside and say, you know what, let's cover this up. Winning, making a lot of money, that's what's most important. There's almost this we live in a bubble and, and we're gods in our own universe type of mentality. That's very dangerous for college athletics. And hopefully this Penn State story has taught most, if not all other universities, that uh, this kind of behavior is not tolerated. And if you are covering up behavior of this nature and there's scandal on your campus, you're going to pay a hefty price for it if you're caught. Look, everything like you've talked about and we've talked about, everything's on the record. When something happens like this and somebody knows about it, eventually <laughs> it's going to come to a head. And uh, as we saw this year, it definitely came to a head. And uh, it's, con- it's going to continue. This story will be around for a while. All right. When we come back, we will put a bow on this show and we will bring you our final segment of the year 2012 it's the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2012 you're listening to sports business radio
Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buecher, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable. With a goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503-701-2215. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back. It's been quite a year, 2012. Griggs, as we look ahead to the year 2013, I want one bold prediction from you for 2013 as it relates to sports business Lay it on me. I think it's going to be the Nike boys, we're going to call them. You're going to hear a lot of this. I'm going to make it famous, the Nike boys. Uh, Rory and Tiger coming back with a storm because uh, as we were talking about before we started the uh, open the mics on this, Rory has allegedly been signed by Nike Golf in a deal bigger than Tiger. So uh, that would be interesting. He's playing great golf. And I think Tiger's going to start, uh, start clicking again this year. So that's my big one is those two are going to be your, your top two golfers. Nike Golf's going to be a big, big year for them. And... Uh, that, there you go. We'll see. Yeah, that would be interesting. Supposedly, they've already taped a commercial, and it will air sometime early in uh, 2013. So, you know, golf is always better if Tiger Woods is relevant. And in the final pairings, the TV ratings are always better. Roy McIlroy, I think, has a bright future. And, uh, yeah, that will be interesting if the Nike boys, as you call them, uh, <laughs> Have a big year in 2013. And what's yours? This is this is like way outside the box. And I don't have any uh, deep inside information on this. But, you know, we're making bold predictions here. I'm going to say before the year 2013 is complete, the Steinbrenner family will sell the New York Yankees and the Yes Network. We saw that the Dodgers this year went for $2 billion, as we told you earlier in the show. I think for those two entities, you're looking at a minimum of $5 billion for the Yankees and the Yes Network. I think there's a lot of reasons for the Steinbrenners to sell now. I think they don't have quite the same zest for the Yankees as their father, George Sr. had. He has obviously since passed on. I just have a feeling in the year 2013, the Yankees and the Yes Network might be ripe for sale. That's awesome. 
I think that would be that would blow up the sports world for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that price tag oh, yeah. would be out of this universe. And that's the thing. I mean, because with that team and that entity with the Yes Network, they can sell it for that. I think. I mean, it's huge, huge. But that is that is huge. That's crazy. That'd be awesome. We'll see. So those are our <laughs> bold predictions. You can uh, send us any bold predictions you may have. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at SB Radio. My little sweetheart, every year we sit down and do a, a recording session. I interview her, but she wanted to pass along these wishes before we end our show this week. This is Sophia Berger. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. That is my eight-year-old, my pride and joy love in, that. in this world. Yes. You know, it's so funny. I went back and listened to, uh, I, I've interviewed her every year, my sit-down in December with her. And, you know, listening from when she was age one to now, she's <laughs> almost eight years old. It is just, it's phenomenal. It goes by so fast. You've got a little one as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about these holidays is if you're, Fortunate enough, like we are, to have little ones. It really is a magical time of year. You see the holidays through their eyes. You become young again. And uh, I hope that everyone listening to this has a fantastic holiday season. Hope you have a great new year. And we're looking forward to bringing you terrific shows in 2013. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, Hug your kids if you have them and uh, enjoy the season. I agree. It's fun because when you have a kid, you feel like a kid again. So it's great. All right. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you in 2013. Uh, A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on iTunes. Just type in Sports Business Radio. You'll find our podcast. You can have it downloaded automatically to your feed every week. I want to thank our show staff, executive producer Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Doug Zanger. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio for Brian Griggs. I'm Brian Berger. Happy holidays to you. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the happy season of all. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.